So uh, can you just tell us where you are and where you're recording? <laughs> I'm in uh, a tiny closet in my house, mm -hmm. sitting in my partner's laundry basket, <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. It's making me feel like, like a little kid. Yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty small, so I fit in, in a laundry basket okay. Welcome to Female of the Species, a podcast for the Sisterhood of Science. This week, we're joined by one of my science besties, Dr. Robin Codner. So can you just quickly tell us what your job is and what kind of science you do? I am an assistant professor at Western Washington University in the biology department. And I do research on microbial communities. And I'm interested in the relationship between those communities and their environment and how it changes over time. And as you know, I used to work on deep time questions, so I looked at how things changed over millions of years. And more recently, I look at things that are changing over seasonal and yearly time scales so that we can ask questions that are more relevant to climate change as it's occurring. Yeah, you sort of jumped ship from the deep time. Game. I did. I did. I felt we miss you, but it's okay. Oh. I, I understand. I understand. So I have a vision <laughs> that at some point, by the end of my career, everything's going to come back mm. around. Sounds good. Uh, it'll I'll, all, it'll I'll all be make waiting sense. for you. I'll be waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. But it's not for lack of trying. Someday. <laughs> Someday <true>. someone's <laughs> going to give us money. I know, right? To look at DNA and fossils yeah. all at the same time. Um, Robin and I were in the same graduate lab at Harvard. And I was so excited when I got to grad school to see her. She was a few years ahead of me because we are both petite curly-haired Jewish girls uh, who loved tiny fossils. And so we hit it off right away. And Robin was a great um, sort of big science sister to me uh, as a grad student, which was really important. Yeah, I should also say that you, you know, we say big sister, little sister, but I kind of think of us, I mean, we were always peers. That's and true. you, sh yeah. you showing up in the lab. I was the only woman in the lab before you came. That's right. And right. so it was your arrival was really important to me in terms of really feeling like I had an ally in the lab yeah. in a way that I hadn't before. Yeah, I definitely felt much easier talking to you about things that weren't going right <laughs> than with yes. other people in the lab. <laughs> It's true. Which is sometimes the most important conversations to have. Yeah. Well, actually, can I can I tell a story about you? Sure. Well, I feel like you have always inspired me. And the very first day that you were in lab or the very first time we had lab meeting after you joined the lab, I don't know if I've told you this story, but we were reading a paper and you were the first one to volunteer your opinions on the paper. <laughs> And you just started saying all kinds of things like, well, I don't understand why they did this and I don't understand this. And like, you just were like saying all of the things that you didn't understand about the paper. And I had already been in the lab. This was my third year, I think. And for the first two years, I was terrified. I'm kind of still afraid of Andy Noel, but I was terrified <laughs> to say anything. And there was all kinds of things I didn't understand because right. there's geologists in the lab and I'm a biologist, yeah. but I didn't know it was okay for me to say, I don't know. Yeah. So when you came in, you were just so bold. I was totally was so confident. If it makes you feel any better, I was like totally scared and nervous and anxious. But I guess I've always just opened my mouth and talked. 
What's your favorite way to take care of yourself after you get really bad professional news, like a paper rejection or bad student reviews? I think maybe the first thing I do is send you an email. <laughs> Truth. Um, so what's my favorite way? I feel like there's sort of two tiers of what I do. So if I'm in my office mm-hmm. and I'm at, or, you know, in a professional space and I'm not at home yet, like immediately after I get the bad news, mm-hmm. I'll just shut my door and I lay on the floor of my office. <laughs> I like that. I just, That's good. On my, sometimes on my yoga mat, but I yeah. just lay on the floor. I'll pop my feet up on my chair mm-hmm. and I just like kind of breathe. And then I try to remember like the whole picture of it. Yep. And I've gotten better through time at not letting it get my blood pressure up and like not letting myself have such an emotional reaction. And then when I go home, I take a bath. Yeah, you love baths. It's my go-to for everything. If I'm ever not feeling okay, I just get in the bathtub. (laughs) Well, now I have a hot tub, so I don't always like fill the bathtub. Yeah, that's even better. And I would say that actually we started this tradition back when we were in grad school we would go get mojitos. Remember? Oh, yeah. At Cheyenne so, which doesn't exist anymore. I know. But oh. that always was kind of a special time because yeah. they were kind of expensive for us when we were in grad school. And yeah. it was kind of a fancy place. So we would go there, cheer ourselves up. And so I try to treat myself to something like that as well. Yeah. And it felt sort of like it was so close to our office, but it felt like you were somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So just getting yourself out of that headspace, you know, physically. Yeah. 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 It yeah. definitely, and there was like all kinds of non-academic people in there. Yes. So it was like we stepped out of our world and exactly. into a different one. Super important. I also am in a book club, kind mm-hmm. of. I try to be in a book club because I like the idea of being in a book club. <laughs> yeah, the reality of being in a book club is sometimes more challenging than the idea of it. Yeah, and the book club I started with my friend Simon, who is a wonderful person. He's an engineer. But he's like interested in everything. Mm-hmm. He loves sci-fi and he also loves sailing and nautical tales. And I was like, oh, my God, I love both those things. Like <laughs> we should have a book club where we read sci-fi books and nautically themed books. <laughs> That's very specific. So we've been doing that for the year. We kind of switched to nautically themed books in the spring. And I haven't been reading any of them because I've been busy and I've been out of the country. Yeah. So but I did read some sci-fi books as part of my book club. Actually, I lie. I did not read the books. Actually, I did not read any of the books. I listened to them all oh, well, on that, audio. That counts. That totally counts. Because I can listen to them when I'm yeah. driving. And that way, because I just like don't have enough time to read the books. So I can get it in. I listen to them when I'm driving or when I'm running. I just listened to an audio book called The Unseen World, which is a little sci-fi. Not really. It's a little sciency, and it was amazing. A friend recommended it to me, and it was one of those books where I would just like sit in my car in the driveway when I got home from work, like just five more minutes, five more minutes. Oh wow, was it and about go... microbes? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. So, Robin, uh, are you a coffee drinker or a tea drinker? I drink both. I'm definitely, I live in the Pacific Northwest now. And so um, we are quite committed to our coffee drinking. Mm. So I always, the first thing I do in the morning, I go straight to my coffee. But um, I don't like to be overly caffeinated. So I often switch to tea by the time I get to my office. That's smart. I do sort of cherish my coffee dates with colleagues. It's like a moment out of my day where Mm -hmm. I can just connect with 
with friends. Um, so I do have a number of coffee dates during the week. Yeah, I'm the same way, especially once I start teaching because it really helps me to just take a break from thinking about my students and my classes. Yeah, and I feel like there's actually a lot of peer mentoring that goes on during those coffee dates. So totally. I, um, I have a friend who started his in the geology department at the same time I started in the biology department at Western. And the year that we started, there was only a handful of tenure track faculty that the university had hired. Mm -hmm. So we met at orientation and it turns out we had a number of friends in common through the geology world, but also just through mutual friends. And so um, we hit it off and he and his wife have had two children in the intervening four years. And so I don't actually get to hang out with him socially very much. Like they kind of are on a different plan than me, but, um, we try to have coffee pretty regularly and just catch up. And I, uh, I guess I really enjoy his, his perspective. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I have the same situation with a lot of my friends with young children. It's like coffee dates work for them. Yeah. You know, exactly. So I know you're not like a big TV person. Mm, TV. <laughs> do you guys, do you and John watch TV together? Any shows that you like? Or We do, especially in the wintertime. I feel like I, I kind of do just the binge-watching Netflix thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome, no, like, welcome to the club. <laughs> right. Actually, I went through one show that we watched on Netflix for the second time last year with John. Because wow. I loved it so much. <laughs> and that was Heroes. Oh, really? I've never watched that. One of the reasons I love it is they've got all these superheroes. So right. it's like got the sci-fi aspect to it. But I love things that are like unlikely to be true. You know, <laughs> so if you're a scientist and you think <laughs> totally. about it, it's like, that's not logical. Like, yeah. how yeah, is yeah. that person turning someone into that's ice? Right. It's like, right. it doesn't even matter. Like, Hence like my love of the X-Files. <laughs> yes. I love, um, I love the magic in it. Yeah, so yeah. You've got all these people with cool superpowers and they're like trying to save the world. It's just exciting. I don't know if you know this, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to have surgery on my shoulder. I, I learned this as of yesterday. I had a good cry about it. And then I was like, well, luckily, this is a time in my life where I'm being bombarded by data. And I'm like, <laughs> my next six months of my life might be binge watching TV <sighs> and making graphs. But that's OK. There are worse that's, fates. There are worse fates. Yeah. That's just not not my standard MO, but time for turning over a new leaf well I think that's a good I mean it's a good point it's like your way of coping with stress is being physically active and so I think for you being injured is really challenging I think it's made me really think about and I know this is meaningful to you because I've been trying you've been trying to write a paper with me for like eight years and I never do anything (laughs) I wasn't gonna bring that up but it's true (laughs) it's true because I really want to do it I'm interested in it but On a daily basis, I realize like it's five o'clock and it's sunny outside and I'm like, I could stay at work for another two hours, work on this, or I could go on a mountain bike ride. Right. And I totally respect you for that. But there's a part of me that feels guilty about it, but not just guilty because like, oh, I owe this to Phoebe. I feel guilty about it because I'm like, there's important ideas in my head that we need to get out there and I just need to like focus. And so... I am looking forward to the opportunity of not being distracted by those other things. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
So you and I like to complain to each other a lot. It's like safe complaining space. Um, but we don't as often talk about all the positive things about being a scientist. So could you share with us one of the things that you love about being a scientist? Oh, that's a good question. One of the things that I really enjoy about being a scientist is I feel like I am able to gain experiences um, in life that are very unique and interesting and like adventurous in a, in a way that a lot of my friends don't have access to. Mm -hmm. So, um, an example was just yesterday, there's a buoy in Bellingham Bay that takes data. Um, that buoy was recently put in, it's there to help support my research, which is great. And there's a bunch of, um, scientists and technicians up from Seattle who were servicing the buoy. So I went out there with my graduate student and it was just, I was like, this is so cool. There's <laughs> different boats and all kinds of equipment and like all kinds of really cool technical plans that were required to like remove the buoy from its mooring and then move the mooring. And it just like, I have a sailboat and I love being on the water and my friends who sail, you know, they love being on the water too, but they never get an opportunity to sort of like get involved in one of these right, like technical right. operations like that. So I've, I find myself in those types of situations where I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Like I get to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me, when I do field work, I guess you go to places that people would normally never go to on vacation. And that often means those places are like cold <laughs> and unpleasant, <laughs> yes. but they're also like amazingly beautiful and interesting. And I, I feel really lucky that I've gotten to go to so many interesting places around the world for work. Yes, Absolutely. And I just got back from Peru That's right. for a month where I got to both be a researcher, but also be a teacher. And had I was going to say that was another really great thing about being a scientist is training other young scientists. Mm -hmm. um, I really love being in the field with students and helping them get excited about finding out things about the world. So... Do you have any fun science toys or other goofy objects in your office, Robin? I have some stuffed microbes, like all oh, good microbiologists yeah. have. So I have yes. um, a stuffed diatom and a stuffed dinoflagellate mm -hmm. hanging from the shelf above my desk. I think those are the only toys I have in my office. I also got um, the Lego scientist. Oh, yes, me too. From my brother. And that actually is the only, that's the only toys that are in my house. And every time John's nephews come over or um, just recently, my brother and my niece and nephew came to visit, it's like the only toy in the house. So I pull out the Legos, like kids have played with these Legos and it's really fun to, um, to play with them. And they helped me figure out that the hair pops off of, and like oh, all the scientists yeah. are women. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah. Well, yeah, that was the whole point. Oh, Oh, that was the whole point, right, right. Uh -huh. But did you know that you can pop their hair off and they have a smiley face and an angry yeah, face? Yeah, and, and it, right, they have like a, constant, I'm concentrating, leave me alone face, and they have a smiley face. It's so appropriate. I didn't, I didn't actually figure that out on my it's own. It's like the face I make when I'm in the middle of something and a student knocks on my door without making an appointment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I needed a five-year-old to help me with that part. Yeah, well. Well, my, my colleague, Lena, her daughter is two- and from the time she was like 
could crawl. She was carrying around a cell biology textbook. (laughs) She's kind of done. Her father's a computer scientist, and both of her grandparents, at least her maternal grandparents, are both um, molecular biologists. And that's really funny. She's, I think, maybe destined to be a scientist, and uh, it was really fun watching her play with them. So who is your choice for our This Week in Shine Theory segment, Robin? Who are you psyched about? Um, well, can I have two? Yeah, go for it. I was thinking about this, and this is not meant to be as cheesy as it's going to sound, but it's going to sound cheesy. <laughs> And the woman that I'm psyched about is you. Oh, boy. I was, like, on the fence about exactly what I was going to say. And I was on Facebook, right, when we were trying to figure this out. And I saw somebody who's our mutual science friend on Facebook of us. And this person did one of those, like, shout-outs. Like, I'm teaching this course. And anybody have any ideas? And, like, you were like, have you seen this resource? And I was like, God, Phoebe knows everything. <laughs> like, you always know about all the best stuff. And I'm like, I spend too much time on the internet. (laughs) Really impresses me about you, Phoebe, is you have a really Mm. good work-life balance more than like a lot of people that I know, but you somehow are always killing it. You always like know about all of these cool up and coming resources, be it for research or for teaching. And you just seem so plugged in. And the fact that you even wanted to do this podcast it was like this idea you've had and you floated and you like you don't hesitate you just like went and made it happen you're just always working to move things forward and I feel that like that's really inspiring to me and I'm always um I just think you really pull it off despite the fact that you have a teaching intensive job and you just kind of like pull it all off well I don't always feel like I pull it off but I'm glad that I uh appear that way but I think that one of the things that, I mean, like, that's super lovely and amazing to hear you say that. But I think one of the things that I wanted to highlight in this podcast is that people who may seem like they have it all together, like, still have shitty days and get papers rejected and go through tough times. And I think that can be one of the downsides of, you know having colleagues on social media is that we tend to just post when things go well, when we get grants funded or papers accepted or whatever. Um, we don't always post the negative. So um, that's very sweet. Thank you. And the other person actually just left my house. She stopped by, um, she was in Vancouver and she had a meeting in Seattle and she stayed at my house, which is in between the two last night. We had a really nice long breakfast this morning. Her name is Hannah Stewart. And she and I were postdocs together at the Friday Harbor Lab. She's also a marine scientist. Mm -hmm. And she has kind of taken her career in different directions. And we just spent a bunch of time talking about how she might make some choices coming up that are, like, seemingly detrimental to her career and maybe her relationship also. And, like, how she just is like, you know what? I've been thinking about something, you know, what she wants to do, this change she wants to make. She's been thinking about it for, like... 15 years. Wow. It's just like, that's where my heart is. She's thinking about moving abroad and leaving a really cush job that's not making her happy. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, if it's not making you happy, being able to follow your heart and just trusting that you know how to make yourself happy, I think is really important. It is so hard. Yes. Especially when it's going against what the people that you spend your time with would think 
Yep. You know, it's hard to trust yourself sometimes when everyone is second guessing what you're doing. And I think Hannah was a really important person in my life just as a postdoc in terms of peer mentoring and teaching me how to just make yourself happy. Like, don't let don't sweat the small stuff. She used to she used to say, dance it off. Like I'd go to her office, you know, with <laughs> a it. rejected proposal or some yeah. crappy thing that happened. And she would be like, well, geez, we just need to dance it off. And yeah. she would turn on some music and then we would just have a little dance party in her office. Um, so we have just a few minutes left, but I think that you want to talk a little bit about your mentoring. Yeah. So, well, as you know, I went to Peru this summer and I think this is actually important thing to talk about. I got an opportunity to go teach a course, um, in Peru. It's a, and I would be focusing on research. That's sort of a new direction for me. And it just all seemed really great. I would be paid for a month and have all this time in the field with students. And the reality was, is that it didn't actually end up as rosy as it seemed like it would. It was, there was a lot of challenges, you know, I made the best of it. But when I got home, I kind of had my tail between my legs because I'd been stressed out for a month. I just, things just weren't as I thought they would be. And I was also really sick. And so I'm like, God, what did I do? Like, did I make it, you know, you second guess yourself, right? You for sure, for make, sure. make a bad decision. How did I not mm-hmm. see this happening? And, um, what I also have a lot of of research going on, um, in locally in Bellingham and in Bellingham Bay and my graduate student who's, um, in her second summer now, my master's student and an undergrad who had worked in my lab, um, in the spring and stayed on through the summer, they worked in collaboration with one of my colleagues at Northwest Indian college to keep our project going. And they sampled weekly and, they did an amazing job and they, we got really cool data. And like that project was like the opposite of what happened in Peru. Like everything Mm -hmm. worked out perfectly. The students like impressed me more, like they sort of did more than I expected of them even. And I had this moment of like feeling so proud and just seeing like kind of the two different experiences together. And like, it just reminded me that one of the best things about my job is mentoring students and watching them sort of take what they've learned and then go on to exceed your expectations. And they keep the research going, which is really as beneficial to me as it is to them, because it's just this long-term project that I'm trying to keep afloat. And it's a really important year of data. So I think I just felt very grateful and very proud and all of these really positive emotions. Yeah, it's a really wonderful feeling when you have students who just like get it done, you know, and em- embrace the project and, and really carry it forward. Yeah. And Super I think it's rewarding. the first time in my career where I felt like I really saw this like vision that I had, like, okay, when I got my job, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I really want this long term <laughs> time series of plankton Mm -hmm. in this place so that we need that sort of data to really understand how climate change is affecting those communities. But Mm -hmm. it's really hard to get that kind of data. And it was just amazing to see my vision sort of coming to life through other people. And I mean, that's part of being a mentor and as part of being a professor, but totally, totally. So I'm really excited about the Codner lab in the year going forward. We think we're going to have a lot of cool data and I, I'm going to be a lot more sedentary, and I'm looking forward to writing some papers. My uh, The thing of, about being a scientist that's my least favorite. Writing papers, yeah. 
I mean, I like it in theory, but the actual process is more tedious than is my best skill set. You know, it's like we yeah, do everything sure. and, you know, we come up with the ideas, we write the proposals, we do the research, we write the papers, like we, we do it all. But I just recognize that like some parts of that are really are my strengths and some parts of that are not. Yeah, and I think that's a great thing to recognize is that you can't be amazing at all of those things all the time. Yeah. Um, and that some parts of science are just going to be more challenging and more frustrating than other parts. Yeah. It's like life, right? It's like. And trying to not beat myself up about it and just recognize, exactly. okay, the, yeah. writing, the writing part is the part you don't actually like, Robin. So yeah. let's develop a reward system or let's set aside time or like rather than like subconsciously like beating myself up for not having done it. I'm just right. recognizing, oh, that's not my strength. Yeah. It's like, write one, write one page, take a bath. Write another page, take another bath. Exactly. <laughs> You'd be like a giant raisin when you're done. It's probably better than, like, write a page, drink a pito. Yeah, a that's page, right. <laughs> page three would be pretty interesting. I know. I love algae. Yeah. I have a waterproof case for my iPad. Oh, that's right. I remember you telling me that. You like grade in the in the hot tub, right? That's exactly it because I hate grading. And so I've developed a reward system where I go to my happy place, the hot water, I get in the hot tub, and I grade Man, on my iPad. You are like living the professor life. That's That's good advice for everybody. Um, thank you so much for uh, joining us, Robin. It was really fun to talk to you, and we'll have you back on the podcast again soon. Thank you so much, Phoebe. Thanks for doing this podcast. Thanks for being inspirational. Bye. And take your baby by the hill. You can find us all over the internets. We're on Twitter at female of the SP. Facebook, just search for Female of the Species, and you can email us at femaleofthesp at gmail.com. We've got a website in the works at femaleofthespecies.org, so stay tuned for more about that. You can subscribe to Female of the Species on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and we'd love it if you'd leave us a review and let us know what you think of the show. Female of the Species is produced by Tamar Avishai. Check out her amazing art history podcast, The Lonely Palette, which you can find at thelonelypalette.com. Thanks for listening to Female of the Species. Take your baby by the